Welcome to the Modern Intimacy Podcast, a show about mental health, sex, relationships, education, how-tos, and those private things we need to talk about more publicly with no restrictions. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Balistrieri. As a licensed psychologist, certified sex therapist, and certified sex addiction therapist, I know that mental health is directly tied to the quality of our relationships and our sex lives. I am passionate in my desire to smash stigmas about both and shine a light on relationship and societal issues that may be negatively affecting us. During this podcast, I will also give you practical answers and insights to questions you're asking about or have been hoping to solve. We should all have fulfilled, happy lives, erasing shame and stigmas and building healthy connections. Let's do that by getting curious together. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Modern Intimacy Podcast. I'm so excited for our guest today, Keely Rankin. Keely's been featured in publications like the Huffington Post, Oprah Magazine, and she calls herself a pleasure advocate and sexypreneur. By trade, Keely is a sex and relationship coach based in San Francisco, and she works with individuals and couples who want to embrace their innate desires, build sexual confidence, and fully realize their sexual potential. Keely, thanks so much for being here with me today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here and chat with you. I am too. And really excited to talk about our topic, sex clubs. Sex clubs. I know. (laughs) They are so fun. So how did you first learn about sex clubs and get interested in them? You know, as a young person, I was very, I was exposed to a lot of different erotic scenes and sex clubs was always just sort of like a part of the world that I circulated in. Mm. And um, I sort of took it, I feel like I've really taken it to the next level around sex clubs when um, my partner, my my now husband and I started going to quite a few in, in Paris, which is where he's from. And we would have these experiences where we would go and feel pretty disconnected in them. Mm. And it really struck me one day I was on a flight home and I'm like, this is so interesting. You know, like we have a really great connection. I consider myself you know, a sex expert and I'm going into these scenarios and we're, we're, we both are feeling like the connection isn't quite there. And so I started to really think like, what is it that, you know, we're needing first and foremost, and potentially what down the road, what other people, you know, might be needing in these dynamics to feel more connected. So I think there's the topic of like sex clubs and the excitement of going there and the adventure and the adventureness of like having it be a date night, whether you're monogamous or not. And then I think there's the question of like, how do you actually make it a positive experience? Um, which I think no one has really been talking about. So that's really, that's really where I come in, I think. <laughs> Well, that that is a really important distinction, right? I think a lot of folks have this idea that sex clubs are really, really fun and and they can and they can be. Um, and also not a lot is known about them unless you're a part of that circuit. So it can be really tricky to prepare yourself and prepare each other if you're going with a partner um for what to expect and how to support yourselves through that. So um I'm curious, like let's break it down first. Are there different kinds of sex clubs? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, 
you know, I think the biggest distinction in the U.S. is between sort of like a BDSM club and just a, a more uh, like non-BDSS trending club. Mm-hmm. And I think what's important for folks to realize is that in these spaces, there's always spaces where people are not doing anything directly erotic. And then there typically are certain spaces that you can enter and you can be a voyeur. You know, you don't have to do anything when you're in them that um, people are typically engaging in erotic activities. And then in Europe, they also have these wonderful things called sex saunas, where it's basically like going to the spa minus the masseuses. I guess you could create a masseuse situation, but (laughs) basically people are already with their clothes off and relaxed and in steam rooms or hot tubs or saunas and there's showers and robes. So there's a little different uh, energy with that as well, which I think is actually really lovely for people who have feel a little trepidation maybe about taking their clothes off for the first time, which is fun. Yeah. So you can go and not actually be sexual with anyone at a sex club. Right. I think this is a really, really important thing for people to know about sex clubs. There is absolutely no requirement that mm-hmm. you participate in any activities with your partner, you you don't have to do anything to be there. Um, and more likely than not, I think what people probably, you know, to burst their their fantasy bubble, a lot of people are not hooking up with other people at these these events. Um, it's slightly different than like a, a swingers party where there's normally like invites and everyone kind of knows each other and someone knows someone through someone else. These are of virtual strangers, which I think is part of the fun appeal, Mm -hmm. but really depending on the evening that you go, you know, it's just like any bar. You may go to a bar one night and see three people you think are really sexy you want to talk to, and you may go to a bar and see no one that you want to talk to. So I think really preparing yourself for like anything could happen. And if you're going with a couple, it's like, how do we negotiate that in the moment, whether or not we're interested in in exploring with other people or not? But yes, Mm -hmm. you can absolutely just go and watch and for a lot of folks that are there, that is actually really sexy to know that other people are watching them. That's kind of part of why they, you know, I think what draws people into the spaces being watched. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the questions I get asked so much when people are new to this kind of play is won't people there think I'm strange if I'm just there watching? Is that okay? Or does that make me creepy? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, And I love that you highlighted that because so many of the folks there really do enjoy being witnessed in their erotica. And so this is a place where people can scratch a lot of different kinds of itches, if you will, and explore what it means to step outside of the box, even if you're not ready to behaviorally put something into play. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I talk with couples about. So I I created um, this idea called before and after sessions. So essentially I meet uh, clients mainly in Paris, just because that happens to be the place that I like to help folks explore. And we meet for three hours before and we do before sessions. And then I help them decide, um, you know, their intentions and flesh out all these different pieces, which club they want to go to, different styles, and then meet with them after to sort of process what went on, what was successful, what they would want to be different. And I think there's a really important part of, you know, preparing for anything could happen and what are our boundaries and, um, you know, it is a, obviously a very different experience than just going to a nightclub, but it, but you could keep it that way if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Like you could go to a sex club, especially a lot of the ones I'm thinking of in, in Paris and 
not actually even ever enter into the room where people are engaging, you know, in erotic activities. Mm. Do you have to be a part of a couple or uh, a dyad or a team of people to go, or can you go as a single person? So this really depends on the particular uh, uh, club or spa that you're going to and their night that they have. So a lot of times they'll be like men's nights, women's nights, couples nights, theme nights. So again, it just sort of will depend upon uh, what you're interested in. And I would say in the U.S. in particular, you would want if if you're thinking about going to these types of places, they're mainly in bigger cities, and you would want to make sure you pick a specific theme night that feels right for you. So. Um, you know, if you are a single man and you're wanting to go to this, these types of play parties, um, and you go on a, a night where single men are allowed, cause that's primarily the one that is in question the most is mm-hmm. there tends to be more men interested in these types of experiences than women and, and seeking them out and engaging in them. Um, the, the vibe will probably feel pretty different. You know, if there's a lot of single men walking around versus couples, it's definitely a different, different, um, energy level. Yeah. What, if anything, should people be cautious about when they're going to a play party in a sex club, in your opinion? You know, I think the biggest hiccups come when there's a mismatch of the fantasy, uh, especially Mm -hmm. in couples. Mm -hmm. So one, you know, they haven't really thoroughly talked this out, sort of typically... More or less, one person's leading the charge, the other person's kind of like going along because it seems like something they might want to be interested in. And then there can be a mismatch once they get in, and there can feel like potentially agreements were broken, trust is broken, jealousy gets created. And so I think the most important thing is to have conversations with whomever you're going with about what you imagine your boundaries are, what you're hoping will happen, and know that you can always revisit those to make it more comfortable for everybody. Yeah. So smart. I I think it's so important to prepare for the unexpected, but also to prepare for everything you can expect, right? And that's going to change every time people go to one of these because they'll become more familiar with their own experience as they're in these different settings and also their evolving needs, wants, and limits. And what you like the first time that you go may be very different from what you want or like the 10th time you go. Absolutely. And I normally recommend like if someone's never been to these types of events before, like start slow, Mm -hmm. just have a plan just to go with each other experience it and see how you feel after, you know, you don't have to go and plan to engage in sex with other people. You know, you can, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where um, people can also get a little tripped up. Like we're going, I have to make this be the one time that we're going. Mm -hmm. It has to be perfect or the best versus like, can you just take little baby steps and see, see how it feels? Yeah. I think in couples where, where that sort of difference in in readiness is very apparent. It's in my experience, usually um, the situation where one partner has really wanted this for such a long time and the other partner has 
maybe been open to it, but hasn't been ready to say yes or to pull the trigger and go. And so when they get there, there's all of this, you know, pent up anticipation and the partner who's been waiting a little bit longer and is, is really enthusiastic can feel really, really excited and almost like they've got to make the most of the moment in case their partner never says yes again. Right. So I really can understand how it, you know, people can get themselves into a really different, um, cadence and and pace than their partner. So it's so important to remember that when you're going, if your partner's a little less enthusiastic than you are, it's probably a great idea to align with their pace because when you go really fast, or if you want to jump in it, because you've been ready, you've been waiting, (laughs) your partner might feel really pressured um, or like their needs are not being taken into consideration, which can actually result in them pumping the brakes on things a little bit more. Right. Absolutely. Right. If you've been fantasizing, imagining this for 10 years and now you're finally here and you're getting to go and, you know, you're wanting to just jump in and your partner is not quite ready. Yeah. It it definitely can create these dynamics where one person may say, Hey, I'm never going again with you. And, you know, it's like, there can sometimes be things like, well, I opened up and I did this thing with you and it wasn't fun for me. So I'm never going again. And that's really why I want, you know, wanted to create this, this way of thinking about sex clubs with the before and after sessions is it's like, we can talk about all of the angst on both ends. Like, I'm afraid we're going to go once and she's never going to want to go again. So I've got to get it all in now. Or, you know, um, from the other partner's end of like, you know, I have a lot of trepidation. I don't know how I'm going to feel when I'm in there. You know, what if my partner wants to have sex and I don't want to have sex? Like, how do I handle that boundary? How do Mm -hmm. I hold myself in that? And then what happens on the other side? Because the truth is you're opening up completely new territory, which is part of what makes it so exciting and fun. (laughs) Uh (laughs) And you're opening up completely new territory. So anything could happen. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. Well, what what are some of the things that people might take into consideration when it comes to consent, right? Because one of the fears I hear a lot is how do we negotiate consent in a party like that where it might sort of kill the vibe if we go into a long conversation about something? Right. So most of the time in every club I've ever been into, there is rules that they will ask you to sign prior to entering. So there will be a consent list that will just be the general rules of that establishment. And I do often recommend that people go to the website of whatever um, place they're planning on attending and looking over those, making sure they understand them before they go. Because you're a little pent up when you're standing outside, like handing over your money, <laughs> like, oh, I'm nervous. And like, you know, you know, lots of stuff can be going on. So it's good to read them ahead of time, just so you know them. And, you know, negotiating boundaries is an important part of safety and people cannot feel safe unless Mm -hmm. they feel really secure in what that boundary that they're agreeing to is. So I, I really caution people away from this idea of like, if you spend too much time talking about safety practices, it won't be sexy. Like if that's the case, it's a good chance that wasn't going to be that sexy of an experience in general. I think it is good though, you know, either alone or going with a partner that you both that you understand if it's you know what the agreements actually are and really being aware of a strong of the ability to say no i mean if you cannot say no in dynamics you can truly never say yes because so true so it's i think really uh being aware of those those different boundaries that you may have or curiosities that you may have and feeling like at any point there's freedom to say that and i think 
the piece too, that people forget is like, you know, they're real, these are real humans. This is a real human Mm -hmm. experience. These aren't robots. And, you know, people can sense if you're feeling trepidation or you've switched from a yes to a no. And at any point in any situation, especially in these, these types of uh, environments, you can absolutely say, hold on, pause, let's stop. I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. And most likely in every situation I've ever ex- experienced, everyone just pauses, stops and is mm-hmm. like, okay, what's going on? Are we okay? I mean, this is a community that prides themselves on people consenting and wanting to be there and choosing to be in their pleasure and fun. And, um, you know, obviously there's some types of play, like we talked about in the beginning with the BDSM clubs, where maybe people are yelling no, because that's a part of their scene. But mm-hmm. oftentimes that's a very, very uh, pre-negotiated and, um, understood space that people are playing in. Absolutely. And they have different language to say no, so that right. it's understood when the line is is there and present. Right. Their world might be purple or <laughs> right. watermelon versus no. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, one of the myths that that I think I held about sex clubs before I got more into this work and, and had more exploration around them was the idea that they were like a free for all of just grab happy folks who, you know, were were not going to be mindful of things like safety, consent, pleasure, except their own, of course. And I was really surprised and, and pleasantly surprised to learn about the emphasis of safety and the self-policing that goes on within these clubs to make sure that they do stay safe and that any boundary violations are addressed quickly and robustly. I wonder what your experience has been with any sort of problems that have come to light, if any. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like the patrons in the club engaging together, absolutely. I've never witnessed, seen, experienced anything that felt even, you know, like a slight a boundary violation. I'd say the the closest thing I had ever gotten to something tricky happening was, um, I was at a club in San Francisco with a couple of mutual friends and, um, there was a stripper pole on a stage and this was in the non, non-sex zone. So it was in the, the, where the drinks were and people were fully clothed. And one of my girlfriends just jumps on stage and starts dancing on this, uh, uh pole. And the woman who was hired to dance on the pole that night came out and got really upset that my friend mm-hmm. was on this, this pole. And it turned into like this, this really uncomfortable conversation. And so my friend did end up leaving just because she felt like this was supposed to be a safe space. And I was supposed to be able to explore my sexuality. And this, you know, this woman who was hired to dance on the pole, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't know if she was actually um, a dancer per se, but she was hired to be there to be sexy. Mm-hmm. And um, so that I think was was the most complicated thing I've ever seen that was uncomfortable, but that felt more a little bit like, um, you know, kind of holding territory. And it was mm. early on in the night too. So I think there was a lot of other stuff going on, but. Mm, yeah. There also might be some safety issues too. I mean, I, I, if I understand correctly, a lot of the preparation on the poll, you know, is very specific to each dancer. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there might've been some adjustments that were made or needed to be made or something like right. that. Right. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the other myths that you would like to dispel? about sex ah, hubs. I love that you're asking this question because <laughs> it is so important. I think um 
one of the things that is really important for men to remember is that you may have a really big fantasy and desire to go to these clubs and what's normal is that sometimes your cock isn't going to work the way you thought it would or the way that it works at home, either struggling to find arousal, struggling to orgasm. Um, and that is actually very, very normal. Um, you know, there's so many ways in which our arousal can show up and not show up. And sometimes in these really, really high intensity environments, um, our arousal doesn't show up necessarily the way we would want it to. So if that happens, you're not alone. It's not necessarily something to worry about in that moment. I often say like, see if you can find things that you do enjoy Um, Make sure you're sharing with your partner that you're still uh, turned on, you're having a good time. This is really fun. If you're still wanting to be sexual, letting yourself explore in ways where maybe your cock doesn't have to be involved. But I think that's a really, really big one. That's Mm. like, you're not just going to get there and your body's going to respond exactly the same way that it would at home. And that's, it goes the same also for, for women too. Um, Like I was sharing in the beginning, why I started to really look into sex clubs and, and uh, making these better experiences for myself and for other people was that mismatch of connection, Mm -hmm. just not feeling as in tuned. So it goes sort of right along with it. I think the other piece, Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. As the other piece that you shared that it's like this one big giant like orgy and people are just like jumping on top of each other is a really big one. That's often mm-hmm. not at all what's happening. Um, people are respectively in their own spaces with people that they came with exploring. There's oftentimes lots of different rooms, making eye contact, having a little conversation before engaging. Um, all of those things are also really happening too. Yeah. What are one or two tips that you might offer to couples as they're starting to have this conversation about whether or not a sex club could be a good fit for them? Yeah, I would say it's one of my biggest pet peeves is when people um, present an idea to someone and then just say, what do you think about it? So if you're coming to your partner and saying like, I am curious about sex clubs. I really want to advise you to actually share what it is specifically that you are curious about first. Be vulnerable, go deep, say exactly what it is you're curious about. And then say, you know, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I'd love to hear your thoughts um, either now or over the next couple, you know, of weeks or however you're thinking about it. Um, because I think this idea of like, oh, I had this idea. What do you think? It puts a lot of pressure on the other person. It does. Yeah. It sh- it shifts the emotional labor into their lap. It's like, right. hey, I have this really big amorphous idea. You sort it out and tell me right. what I can, what's permissible. <laughs> and right. that's a that's a big hot potato to throw right. in someone's lap. Right. It's the same thing I talk about with people with fantasies. I'm like, you don't say, oh, tell me your fantasies. You go first, you share your Mm -hmm. fantasies first. Mm -hmm. And then you say, I'd love to know what some of yours are when you feel ready or comfortable to share with me. Mm -hmm. The other piece I would say too is, uh, and I've sort of already mentioned this, but you know, once you get there or, or, you know, you don't have to take everything so serious. Like it's going to be the only time, like really take a deep breath, 
like you, you don't have to make everything happen at once. There's room to go back again another time. There's no missed opportunities. I think the whole idea about sex clubs is to move away from sexual scarcity mm-hmm. into like, we can trust the flow of things. We can trust that things will come back around. There isn't just a one time for, for all of these pieces. I love that. Uh, really, really important to recognize that shift, right? When someone is attracted to something because it feels unavailable versus when it feels really abundant, such a different energy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Keely. This was so insightful. Um, if folks want to work with you or if they want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Yeah. So the best way to find me is on my website, which is www.keelyrankin.com. And also you can follow me on Instagram, which is just my name, Keely Rankin Sex Coach. It's a great way to learn sort of about some of the things we're offering, different courses, different upcoming trainings, things like that. And also I have a special offer for people through the podcasts that find me. And you can actually go to my website with a slash podcast. And there's a special download um, of a a really fun new video that I just made. So check me out. Amazing. Thank you for that. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Modern Intimacy Podcast. Stay tuned next time for more. Thank you for listening to the Modern Intimacy Podcast. On Instagram, follow me at Dr. Kate Balistrieri and at The Modern Intimacy. On TikTok, check me out at Dr. Kate Balistrieri and on Twitter at Kate Balistrieri. Everyone has questions about mental health, sex, and relationships. Send yours to me via DM on Instagram or email them to questions at modernintimacy.com and I'll answer some at the end of each episode. Visit the website modernintimacy.com to schedule a consultation with a member of our team or to sign up for our newsletter. Let's meet back here next week. New episodes air every Tuesday. Reminder, this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for mental health services. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.